0: Prepare yourself for an adventure like no other. Hello, everyone, and welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Transportation System. We're on our way to Disney's Animal Kingdom.
1: Gosh, this is some crowd. Hi there. Did you get a guide map? You
0: don't want to miss any of the sights on your adventure here at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Oh, be sure and take some photos of the wildlife in the park today. You know, so you can share them with your friends back home.
2: Ha ha Natazoo.
1: Natazoo.
3: Disney's Animal Kingdom, it's
1: many things. But there's one thing it's not. <laughs>
0: Natazoo. W. W Radio.
1: Your information
0: station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the W.W. Radio Show Your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 481. And I'm here once again, not only to help you have the best possible vacation experience when you come to the Disney parks, but I also want to bring you a little bit of Disney magic with the podcast, videos, blog, live broadcasts every Wednesday night on Facebook, my books, audio tours, and more. You can find everything over at www.radio.com. So long before anyone ever dreamed of Pandora, the world of Avatar, or even Camp minnie Mickey at Disney's Animal Kingdom, original plans for Walt Disney World's fourth theme park included an exciting, radical new concept. This kingdom of animals was going to include not only those that were real, but ones that were ancient and imagined. A kingdom to be ruled by lions, dinosaurs, and dragons. So this week... We're going to turn back the clock on our Walt Disney World Wayback Machine and explore this land that never came to be, Beastly Kingdom. We discuss how and why this land of mythical beasts got on the drawing board, virtually tour the attractions and environments, look at why it never came to be, why we'll likely never see any of it at all, and where you can still find remnants of it in the park today. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, And pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show for more information, some announcements, including upcoming WWE events and meets of the month in Walt Disney World and Disneyland, your voicemails and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WWE Radio Show. In 2011, when Disney announced that an entirely new land dedicated to James Cameron' Avatar film was coming to Disney's Animal Kingdom, the internet, well, had a lot to say. Uh, Some cheered, some jeered, some laughed, some questions, and some even lamented what they, deep down, knew meant the loss of what might have been because the announcement of this new land almost surely killed off the possibility of another but why were some people so upset because since the opening of Disney's Animal Kingdom in 1998 we were given clues and hints some subtle some not of what might have been from the parking lot to the original logo and even McDonald's Happy Meal toys we were teased about what was going to be built on the land originally occupied by what would eventually become Camp Minnie Mickey and from day one, even before the grand opening, this park was going to be known as a kingdom of animals. Real, ancient, and imagined. A kingdom ruled by lions, dinosaurs, and dragons. And before the park opened in 1998, Disney Imagineers were certain the park would one day house those imaginary creatures in a land to be known as Beastly Kingdom but that phase two never came to be and with the opening of Pandora coming up soon it looks like it probably never will be but this week we want to take a look at what Beastly Kingdom was supposed to be what kind of attractions and experience we would have seen why it never got off the drawing board and what and where we can still find some reminders of what might have been and joining me this week is a man who is like many of the creatures which would have occupied beastly kingdom. He is mysterious, he is mythical, and only a select few have ever seen his hidden lair. He is author, friend, raconteur, and historian, Mr. Jim Corcus.
2: Well, thank you so much, Lou. Yeah, yes, very beast I think we're both very beastly, so uh, uh, this gives us a, a unique perspective in terms of uh... uh, talking about this and 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 for those listeners who may not know beastly kingdom and uh... uh... why there is there uh... so much of an uproar about you know why this is not being uh... uh... built uh, you need to understand there's a significant difference between beastly kingdom and pandora uh... in beastly kingdom guests would have crossed over a bridge Uh, to get to a land where they could have taken a leisurely boat ride through strange but beautiful scenery with with imaginary creatures. And, And then they would go and strap themselves into a ride that would have them flying and encountering a dragon. Whereas in Pandora, it's completely different. Guests cross (laughs) over a bridge to get to a land where they can enjoy a leisurely boat ride through strange but beautiful scenery uh, featuring imaginary creatures and then strap themselves into a ride (laughs) where they fly through the air uh, uh, encountering something that looks like a dragon. (laughs) So it's completely different. So uh, we can understand why people are are so upset that they're – they're not getting you know what they expected
0: <laughs> well it goes to prove right that no good idea disney ever really dies it might get shelved and dusted off and brought back in somewhat of a slightly different way but let's sort of let's go back because well,
2: well, in- i'm curious because joe Rody is involved with both concepts <laughs> i I'm, I'm wondering how much input he had of hey you know jim cameron it would be a great idea you know if we had this boat ride <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, but it's interesting, Jim, because it really does, you know, go back to, and we were talking offline before we started recording about the early days and how many people might even remember the discussion of Beastly Kingdom, let alone Mm-mm. not a zoo. Because when they originally discussed the concept of what Animal Kingdom was going to be, they said it's going to be based on three things it's going to be based on animals, but they're real, the extinct. And the imaginary. So we have the real. We've got all these attractions that showcase them in the safari in the mm-hmm. shows. We have the extinct animals in an entire land devoted to dinosaurs. But these imaginary, these mythical creatures like dragons and unicorns and, and sea monsters, we're going to go on this land that was going to be known as Beastly Kingdom. And sometimes Beastly Kingdom was spelled somewhat differently with lots of M's and I's and, and E's. But it was going to be these these legendary animals that didn't exist they were going to take these fairy tales that came out of storybooks and bring them into this land that like you know all good disney fairy tales was going to be about stories of good and evil
2: and and ironically when when disney announced this and they were doing surveys of, of people cuz disney do lots and lots of surveys ironically People said the thing that they're most excited about going to uh, Animal Kingdom would be to see Beastly Kingdom and these mythological creatures. This is what uh, was driving that. And um, uh, at the time, uh, I was the uh, uh, representative for the Walt Disney Travel Company. So they sent me out to uh, three different cities a week for 10 weeks where I was talking to groups of uh, travel agents in 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 Dallas and Washington DC and and all of this and one of the things that was being promoted was Animal Kingdom and the audience was just enthralled they couldn't wait you know uh, to see this 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 was the key thing because uh, uh, of course building Animal Kingdom was um Eisner's way of uh, trying to compete with uh, uh, Busch Gardens in Tampa, that had uh, live animal interaction and had uh, uh, roller coaster thrill rides, and and that was Eisner's, of course, um, uh, philosophy. Iger's philosophy is let's buy franchises, let's buy uh, Star Wars, let's buy Marvel, let's buy the Muppets. Eisner's was let's take a look at what other people are doing out there and Disney is going to do it better. So Church Street Station in downtown Orlando with all these themed restaurants and shops and all this this is great. We're going to build Pleasure Island. And uh Wet n Wild that that that's so popular, we're going to do Typhoon Lagoon. And so the same thing with this is that um Busch Gardens in in Tampa, you know, that's drawing guests away, let's, you know, have our own wild kingdom uh, here and keep money on um, Disney property and we can do it better. And and the, the way they were going to plus it, which is that Disney term, is you're not just going to have the, the live animals. You're not just going to have uh, uh, roller coasters. You're going to have the dinosaurs. You're going to have, you know, the imaginary animals, and and as Joe Roddy said, that that's the whole narrative for Disney's Animal Kingdom is people's love for animals. He, he said uh, eat, even dinosaurs. Paleontology is the love of extinct animals, and it, it's an unrequited love because they're dead; they're not coming back. <laughs> that's it, you know, and um, so. Uh, you know it, that that was fascinating. You know that that this was going to be uh, Bush Gardens on steroids here. You know, and it was going to have that um, uh, conservation uh, message in there, which, which was very much in keeping with the philosophy of of Walt Disney. You know, and and the True Life Adventures and and all of that.
0: Right, but what ends up happening is there are you know a, a lot of times when Disney opens up a new park like this. They open it in phases, right? So phase one mm-hmm. was going to have the the lands that were there was going to have Dis- Discovery Island, which was called it Gen- was going to be called Genesis at one point. It would have Discovery mm-hmm. Island, and it had Africa, and they end up spending not only three years but about eight hundred or so million dollars just to get that phase one open. And they feel yeah. Well, well, yeah, we you know we we do have this idea to build this this dragon themed area, but. Our name kind of has its it, animal is in the name. So I think we need to spend our, the rest of our resources in building not this mythical land, but we need to continue to build Africa and Asia. And if we are going to start building one more land, we also have this dinosaur movie that was doing really well. Maybe that is where we should start focusing some of our efforts as well.
2: Well, actually, the dinosaur movie was not doing well. We're getting ahead of the story here, but <laughs> but but yes, you're absolutely right. Disney had never dealt with this many live animals before, so they had no idea. And in addition to that, now you're dealing with the fact that you're Disney, so you've got to take really good care of these animals because you're going to be under under scrutiny. You, we we see what happened with uh, Sea World out here in. Uh, uh, Orlando with the Blackfish, uh, you know, uh, a documentary. It, it it literally almost killed that that park mm-hmm. in terms of attendance, in terms of money, in terms of expansion, all that. So so Disney has to spend additional money so that it can be accredited by the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, uh, Aza, and then you've got to have these backstage. Um, Areas And by golly, these animals are eating a ton of food every day. (laughs) So, you know, you have all of this. So you've got to start making cutbacks. And and the cutbacks weren't just beastly kingdom. The cutback, um, uh, there was an addition. If you look at the original plan for animal kingdom, there was an additional 75 acres for Africa Mm -hmm. that they cut and there was there was going to be this whole wonderful curving uh uh, uh waterway boat ride through Africa too that ah, cut and dinosaur what people don't realize is that when dinosaur w- was uh being made that's when uh disney was having those problems with uh, pixar the contract was running out with pixar and so uh pixar decided that the uh, a uh, very first film they were going to do once the Disney contract was up was a film about a rat, you know, Ratatouille. So that was a way <laughs> of getting back at Disney. That's where that came from. But with Dinosaur, Dinosaur was, um, Disney is is sitting up, uh, setting up its own CGI. You know, we're going to show Pixar. We're going to have some leverage here. We're going to show Pixar. We don't need you. We can do it ourselves, see? And so... Um, but disney had no idea <laughs> right. you know what was involved and so dinosaur was becoming this money pit because you you're constantly needing new equipment upgrading and going back and 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 doing these things and uh dinosaur kept changing it, originally the uh uh concept for the for the movie was absolutely wonderful there was going to be no talking at all it was all going to be you know, uh, uh, Panama there, the dinosaurs were going to be much more realistic. Uh, Concept artwork by uh, William Stout, who I just love as as an artist. And um, so all of this. And Dinosaur is going way over budget, Mm -hmm. you know. And so, you know, it's just sucking in that that money. So we've got to do everything we can, you know, to um, boost that up. And so even in Dinoland, they're making cuts. So uh, there was going to be that whole uh, uh, roller coaster in, in the in the sand pit there. It was going to be called the Excavator, where you're in these ore carts, and it, it was going to be very much like Big Thunder Mountain, and so that got cut. And Joe Rohde was upset about that because he says, look, you want this to be competitive with Busch Gardens, and they have all these roller coasters. You're cutting the roller coasters. Mm-hmm. And they said, we're going to go with Countdown to Extinction because... We can save money because we'll use the exact same uh, ride vehicles that we're using for Indiana Jones out in Disneyland, you know, so we don't have to invent anything new, you know? So, so we need to promote uh, the film, you know, we need to make it successful because we need to have that leverage to go nanny, nanny, nanny to Pixar. (laughs) uh, But, but we've got to cut the money. And then in addition, um, Disney has that, um, uh, relationship with McDonald's and McDonald's is going to sponsor all of Dinoland USA, right? So that's going to be a cost savings. And also, uh, uh McDonald's is, uh, partnering with Disney, uh, uh, and the field museum, Chicago's field museum, uh, to buy that, uh, that dinosaur skeleton, uh, that, that, uh, Tyrannosaurus named named Sue, which we, uh, is now in the Field Museum, and then they made two copies: one that McDonald's sent on promotions, and and one that's over in Dino Land. But it's like we've got to save money. McDonald's doesn't seem to be interested in <laughs> in buying into Beastly Kingdom, but they're interested in buying into the the dinosaurs. So you know we can do this. But you know what what was happening is. Disney was literally bleeding money. And so they just kept cutting back and cutting back and cutting back. And as a result, that's why when people first went uh, to Animal Kingdom, they thought of it as just a half-day experience because there was not a lot of things Mm -hmm. there. And, and of course, they they just had nickels and dimes left. And so in that hole that was going to be Beastly Kingdom, it's like, what can we do quickly – and cheaply. And uh, Eisner had had huge success uh, doing Mickey's Birthday Land over at the Magic Kingdom. From conception to it actually opening was 90 days. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so in Eisner's mind, is, we can put something in there. And Joe Rody and the Imagineers were just so teed off about this whole, you're not going to do Beastly Kingdom. It they you, you can't tell the boss no, but you can say, look, we're, we're just so swamped with this other work, we can't do Camp Mickey-Mini because we have to be... And so Eisner turned it over to entertainment. Mm-hmm. Walt Disney World Entertainment is the one that was really responsible for uh, Camp uh, minnie Mickey. Uh, some Imagineers came in for, for uh, doing some of the uh, designs, but basically it was all Walt Disney World Entertainment and the concept was this is just going to be a temporary right. location you know it'll be a great place for character meet and greets and what is the cheapest quickest thing that we can put in it's not an attraction it's entertainment right State so we'll choice. put in fest right. yeah we'll put in festival of the lion king we'll we'll bring in the the parade floats from disneyland we'll put in pocahontas and her forest friends we'll we'll bring in uh, a, a couple of the uh, props like uh, grandmother willow from uh, the Disneyland show over there and it doesn't make any difference it's only going to be here a year <laughs> or two you know <laughs> Who can- and 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 you know it it it's just human nature how many of us ha- have said well we'll just do this for now we'll go back later right. and fix it and you never do and and so again and and I we talked about this um before we started taping. See, we really should start taping the moment we start talking <laughs> with each other. This would be fascinating for people. It is that Disney is a business. Right. So it, it, it's not like, oh, well, they, these are villains here and how mean it is that, you know, Disney executives and all this, you know, we're, were cutting back on money and they, they cut it back on this Wonderful beastly kingdom, which is the topic of this show, and we've not not, not even we're started getting, talking about. It well, yet. because I
0: think it's important, Jim, that we we talk about why we're not why we haven't gotten to it. Because you know there there are those conversations that happen and that, that realization that hey, you know, look, we're expecting Catman or Mickey to only be here for a couple of years, but when they're looking at the numbers in the attendance in two thousand, they're saying, hey, you know what, the the we're, we can't justify the expense of building this entire land with all these attractions and all this technology that the park right now just doesn't justify. And I think even Joe Rohde sort of had his, you know, his light bulb moment and sort of realized, hey, around 2000, 2001, he's sort of doubtful that this is ever going to get built at all.
2: Yes. In in fact, he talked to the Orlando Business Journal and and, uh, expressed that because Disney had told him uh, we talked about phases. Phase one. Well, phase two, um, the Disney executives had said, "Look, we love Beastly Kingdom. By 2003, it'll be built and open." <laughs> and so that's what the Imagineers were hanging on to—that that belief of, "Okay, okay, we just have to be patient, you know, uh, for this to happen." But when Animal Kingdom opened, what happened is it started to drain attendance from the other parks. Eisner's concept was: we'll open this brand new park. It'll be so exciting; so many more people will want to come to to Walt Disney World, and because we've got an additional park, they're going to want to extend the time they're out here. You know, uh, uh, this is an excuse for printing money. But what happened is, um, instead of more people coming, the same amount came. They just didn't spend time at the Magic Kingdom or the studios or or Epcot. And so attendance at those parks dropped on an average of 10%, which is very, very significant. Um, And what was happening, too, is that oftentimes once you have that drop, then things even out. You know, oh, yes, people have experienced Animal Kingdom now. Now they're going back to the – that wasn't happening. And so the money that they were – keeping in reserve for Beastly Kingdom now has to be devoted uh, to uh, shoring up the other parks with with a new attraction or a new show or uh, uh, something like that, Uh, you know, to to keep people, hey, remember, we have these other parks over here, and you love these, you know. Uh, Come on over. Here's something new. Uh, And and Disney's philosophy is it takes uh, between three to five years on average for people to uh, save up to come to a Walt Disney World, uh, uh, vacation. So you really only need something new every three years, you know, uh, more or less, uh, to, to bring people in. But so, you know, this is almost like a perfect storm. It's like, well, we don't have money to build this, but we're going to set aside some money and we'll get back to this. And we're, and oh my gosh, now we've got to use that money for, you know, another emergency, you know? the car broke down the kids need braces <laughs> right. all of that you know we we can we can we can we can't, we can't, we can't uh, do all of these things but um you know there there is a um a sadness it, it, this was one of uh uh Rody's dream projects you know and um in fact uh i don't know if you know this i i, I, I talked with with joe rody many years ago and and did uh, 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 an interview with him. And I don't know if you know this, but Beastly Kingdom, once Animal Kingdom was greenlit January 1990, Beastly Kingdom was the very first thing the Imagineers worked on and why. Any guesses?
0: So I I was going to... Because my understanding was that the... Uh Beastly Kingdom concept art was some of the first stuff that they had come up with, but in terms of why, other than maybe Joe Rody just being a a beastly kingdom uh uh champion, I don't know
2: very pragmatic and and again i didn't i n- didn't know this I don't see this uh anywhere else so those of you who are listening to Lou's show, remember always listen to Lou's show you're gonna find out information you can't find anywhere else and and I got this from Rody himself. He said, we started, uh, and again, it wasn't called Beastly Kingdom in the beginning. It was just this circle on a piece of paper that said myth and fantasy on it. And he said, we started on that section first because we're Imagineers. We're Disney. We know Griffins. We know dragons. We, need uni- we know unicorns. We know all of that stuff. And so we started on that to buy ourselves time. Because we didn't know anything about any of the other stuff. He says by starting on that that bought us time so we could travel around the country and visit zoos and, you know, make connections with people and, and figure out zoo conservation and what do we really want to do and what do we really not want to do. And he says even though Eisner said we're gonna do this, the company hadn't bought off on the park yet. So we only had two hundred and fifty thousand dollars startup. For the project, you know, budgeted to us, mm. you know, what are you going to do with $250,000? He, he said, at Disney, that an about long enough to buy yourself breakfast. That's it, <laughs> you know? So we're going to start with the fantasy part because we have that. We have all of those uh, uh, things in the, uh, you know, in the file and the morgue and uh, all of that of, of creatures and, and uh, all of that. And yeah, you know. We could come up with dark rides. We could do that. And it looks like progress is going on so that we can go out and we can do all of those other things. Amazing, isn't it?
0: You know, it, it's really interesting to hear how that happens. And then, and then you know, you almost get the sense too when you he- see and read quotes um, a by or about Rody in terms of Beastly Kingdom, this is something that he was very much personally invested in because it sounded like a project that, like you said, would allow that imaginary creativity to really come out. And as we start to sort of dive into, you know, what would have been, I think you'll see why he and probably so many other people were disappointed that it never got built.
2: Yeah, well, and, and believe it or not, that original concept, we're talking 1990, 1991, mm-hmm. whatever, is Beastly Kingdom, you know, eventually, as you and I both know, got div- divided into the good realm and the bad realm uh but the original concept there was there was actually going to be three sections uh that was tentatively you know a- again placeholder names uh nice beautiful and dangerous and 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 I saw the sketch that that Rhodey had done and basically um uh, it, the nice section was uh all the pre-adolescent stuff things that would appeal to kids things like unicorns mm. You know, so it's non-threatening. It it it's that magical. The beautiful section would have been the little bit more edgy, where you get things like minotaurs. So so there's that sense that you know maybe this guy is not <laughs> you know uh, uh, going to be friendly. Maybe there's an element of danger. And then the danger, you were walking through, believe it or not, Jabberwock woods. Hmm to get to the dragon. And then, uh, of course, uh, you know, you and I have been around uh, 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 long enough to know that at at Imagineering, things are constantly in flux because it's a collaborative art. People are, are, you know, tossing in their ideas. Some things are shifting. Some things are changing. And so um, it it then came down to... uh, Uh, there were going to be two sections, a good realm and a bad realm. And, and, you know, I joked about this earlier, but the entrance was going to be over a bridge. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is it was going to be based on the classic uh, uh, Norwegian fairy tale, uh, Three Billy Goats Gruff, uh, about three goats uh, who are trying to cross a bridge, but it's guarded by a troll who is underneath. And so they have to trick the troll in, in order to get across the bridge. And in fact, at one point there was a discussion of having uh three audio animatronic goats tied up, you know, on, on one side of the bridge and you know, maybe even having the actual troll there or whatever, so that you know, before you even enter the land, you you're you're getting that sense of um uh, this the storybook and all that, and 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 again, you you mentioned that sometimes Beastly Kingdom is spelled uh B E A S T I L E and K I N G D O M M E. And and the reason, f- and that was there for a couple of minutes before it got <laughs> tossed, but but it, it, it was there to try and create that sense of this is a medieval storybook, you know, and um one of the reasons it got tossed is it was too medieval, you know, and some of the creatures you were going to see in there were not medieval. You know, they were, they were from Greek mythology. They were from, you know, other eras and all of that. But, uh, it was like, Oh yeah, this is well. And again, and again, you sit around, you know, with your friends and have a couple of beers and you go, yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. People really get that. But, um, yeah. So, so it, it, that uh, uh, funnel down, you know, a- as things usually do, is there'll be a good place and there'll be a bad place. <laughs> so, so maybe we should start talking about what's going to be in the good place and what's going to be in the bad place.
0: And 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 it make look it makes perfect sense because every story is about those that simple concept, right? It's about good versus evil. So having those mm-hmm. two pass and and I'll post a lot of this concept art in the show notes because I think it's important as you listen to be able to visualize what it looked like, because as you entered over that bridge, you were sort of given the choice of taking these two different pathways. Mm-hmm. Down one was going to take you to the good side, but I think we're going to start on the, on the the dark side uh, as it were, because I think that was really one of the iconic elements of the park, but you were going to go through, a very winding, dark, you know, forested uh, pathway, mm-hmm. and as you walk through, you were going to see like suits of armor that had you know char marks on them, and lances in the ground, and all these vents. It was going to be a very sort of earthy thing that was going to lead to you going to the dragon's tower, which was that land's. I, it wasn't just the icon; it was really going to be sort of the weenie of that. Section of the land, the thing that was going to bring you over, and obviously house its e-ticket dark ride, you know, roller coaster type attraction.
2: Yeah, you're ab- absolutely right. Uh, this was uh, this was a, 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 even though it's called Dragon's Tower, it it really was a castle. And and again, the the whole uh, storyline, of course, was that this massive dragon came and he devastated the original inhabitants. And it's it, it's interesting that that Disney would have you know the melted armor and the broken lances, but no skeletons, you know. So, <laughs> so it's so I guess this must have happened a long, long time ago. So all human remains turned to dust. So only the, they all got away, but, Jim. Uh, they were
0: off. The, the, the actual inhabitants of the armor were fine. They just they ran away. That's all.
2: <laughs> oh, they ran away. Oh, <laughs> right. See, see, I, I'm not thinking Disney <laughs> enough, but 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 yes, it, this was going to be a, 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 a castle, and again uh not just a castle but but as you were alluding to it it it's it's massive it it just reaches out you know looms out from uh, from the this gnarled forest and it 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 shows um uh what had happened during the attack so yes it's it's charred from fire burns the dragon's fiery breath you know there are are sections missing from from the castle, you know it looks like maybe this isn't really steady this this could fall at at, at a moment or two, and um you know uh, again, very, very impressive, and as you said it's it's that weenie that is drawing you closer and deeper you know into the land for this to happen
0: and I think too, this was going to be a very unique coaster experience especially for for Walt Disney World. This was going to be a very immersive, very thrilling type ride. So you had things like Space Mountain, but this was going to be something, even just in terms of the ride system itself, you know, you were sort of be joining these bats and sort of the bats would have been part of what your ride vehicle would have looked like. And you've seen concept art where the coaster was inverted or it might've been a swinging suspended type coaster Mm -hmm. that took you through these it was inside would take you through these caverns and like you said these chambers that were collapsing and then you have this grand finale inside this dragon's den where this dragon is sitting on this treasure that the bats are trying to steal but you really have uh, a a figure a dragon figure which is sort of a, a a climax to this three three act play that you're going through
2: exactly you know and and the dragon is is also uh, uh jewel encrusted so it, it's very much as if it was inspired by uh you know the villainous smog from tolkien's the hobbit you know who, who has all of these jewels stuck to him and he's he's guarding this uh uh, uh treasure you know untold uh, riches uh, uh for for the, for this to happen and and he's he's greedy and you know Not the type of guy you want to hang around with. And, yes, next to the uh, castle were caves. And so that's how you enter the ride, is you're going through these caves, and the caves eventually connect into the, uh, I guess, what would be the basement or the dungeon of the castle or whatever, and that's where you're going to... um, Uh, board the uh, uh, roller coaster, board the attraction. But as you're going through the caves, overhead, you've got a colony of bats. And that's what you call a group of bats, a colony. You have a colony of bats overhead, and they're whispering to you. They're convincing you uh, to go on this heist. You know how easy it is, and and the dragon is sleeping. You know it. It would be so easy, and and we're going to help you to fly, and you'll fly with us. You know, and uh, as you said, when, once you get got on that, it was a uh, real thrill ride because again, the the castle had been damaged. So apparently, as you're going through, parts of the castle are are collapsing, you know, or or creaking, or or tipping towards you. You know, and um, you're, you're going through dark areas where, you know, the torches had been blown out and a whole bit. And and then again, as you said, the big climax is you're in this huge area where all the gold and riches are. And you've got the dragon and the dragon uh, was uh, going to be the largest um, uh, and most sophisticated audio animatronics uh, figure that Disney had ever built up to that time. And and to put that in perspective is uh, 10 years earlier, they did the uh, uh, A-100, which was uh, the Wicked Witch in the Wizard of Oz scene, you know, that that still to this day looks so realistic that people think maybe that's an actress who, you know, (laughs) they've done up in the makeup. And so, you know, Disney had advanced in a decade, for crying out loud. So we can only imagine, you know, how impressive, this was going to be and and in fact the dragon was so uh, impressive you you alluded to this uh beforehand he's he's featured on uh, still to this day on the animal kingdom logo he's right dead center marching along with the other animals uh Mcdonald's uh produced a um a, a happy meal figure. Which I know I have somewhere, and of course it's not mint because I pulled it out of the bag to play with it. <laughs> but uh, a, a winged purple dragon there. I don't know if he would have been purple in the attraction, but he was purple in the Happy Meal. And uh, you've got a dragon head, I think, on on one of the the ticket booths, mm-hmm. right, at, at right. the entrance. Right. Uh, and so, so the dragon was going to be the Mickey Mouse of Beastly Kingdom, I guess. Uh, for, for that, uh, to happen. And, and again, uh, you know, the, the climax you're confronted with this, uh, fiery breath, of course, you know, propane flaming, uh, propane, uh, uh, coming out and, and, uh, that would have made me wet my pants so they would have had to they would have but again since it's a suspended inverted uh, roller coaster I'm not wetting any seats or anything at that Well point. but
0: you you, know, you you referenced the the Yeti and Expedition Everest before you know you, if you think about it it's the same kind of thing this climactic scene, instead of having the giant yes, yeti is. when he would when he used to be able to swing his arm, you would have this dragon that would be breathing fire. You would feel the heat on you. You wouldn't be inside a giant snow capped mountain. You would be in this crumbling tower. And so mm-hmm. imagine that kind of impact that it would have on you as a guest when that is your the the climactic scene that you would have. And it would just, it would be a multi-sensory type experience, not just what you see and hear, but what you actually feel with that heat on you.
2: Well, as the kids say today, awesome, <laughs> awesome experience. I don't know if the kids still say that today, but, uh, uh, and, and again, also in, um, you, you know, you would have been very hungry after that. So in that dark realm, in the bad realm, they had, um, A food and beverage location. It it was by the waterfront and was called Loch Ness Terrace. Mm -hmm. And as you were eating periodically outside, you know, in the water, uh, that sea serpent-like creature would, you know, make appearances. And he wasn't like the goofy, friendly, you know a uh, serpent in, in some of uh, uh, Disney's animated films and, and all of this. this Again, this is the dark area. This is the bad realm. So this is like, I wonder what the Loch Ness monster eats. Right. Maybe and, he,
0: and if you look at that original, <laughs> you know, that sort of, um, that, that overarching original concept art, you see the Loch Ness monster on that, and he was huge. I mean, he wasn't just going to be a small figure that was going to mm-hmm. pop up and down. It was, and if you sort of remember the old um, topiary that used to be, that's what sort of made me think of, that multi-hump topiary that used to be in Magic Kingdom <clears> by Tomorrowland, <throat> you would have something even larger and animatronic or, or pneumatic in the water.
2: Yes, yes. And, and, and again, it, it, it's important when uh, listeners go, go to your site to take a look at the concept art to remember that this is just concept art, that if it had progressed, it would have developed in in lots of different ways. You know, uh, over the years, both Lou and I have, have have seen concept art, have seen actual models Mm. of things that Imagineering have have made that didn't go anywhere beyond that, or would then suddenly evolve into something even more awesome, super awesome. (laughs) Well, for that that to happen, I'm I'm glad you're going to be posting the concept art so that people, uh, uh, you, so you have to you, it.
0: because you can't visualize it in your mind. And then when you see it, you know, and look, one of the things that I loved was not just the concept art of the attraction itself. But as you came out, you were in this little hamlet. You were in the, this beautiful medieval village. And whether they stayed or not, they you not only had this, this tower sort of um, looming over you. But you were in this plaza that had these stones in a circle that is obviously very intentionally reminiscent of Stonehenge.
2: Wait a minute, is this Harry Potter's Wizarding World we're talking about here? <laughs> Listen, that's the other this dark immersive place. environment in in this village. And
0: well, look, and to be honest, look, I think. Harry Potter took a nod from Disney because I think what Disney does, Jim, very well is create immersive spaces and environments. When you are in yes. Adventureland, everything that you see is about that story of Adventureland. You don't get any bleed over.
2: Everything from... you hear, everything you right. smell, everything you taste. Yes. Not everywhere that, in the that, universe. That's why, why it's so immersive is, right. is you're an actor in this story.
0: Right. And I, and I think not everything in universal was is like that other than places like Harry Potter or Wizarding World or Diagon Alley where you are very much you, you cross those thresholds and now all of a sudden you are immersed in that environment. And I think that's what this is going you know that's part of the Disney storytelling that's what they do. You are not sort of just riding an attraction. You are in this forest. You are in this village. It's the same thing in new fantasy land. You, you know, go through the forest, you enter the castle keep. You are now in this, this fantasy world. That's exactly what this area was going to be like as well.
2: Yeah. You know, it, it, poor universal, you know, they, they just had to settle for imagineers who got, uh laid <laughs> off when uh uh Beastly Kingdom got shut down and animal kingdom opened, and so those Imagineers had to go over to uh universal and and I guess islands of adventure they had to come up with with things like this ride where you're roller coaster <laughs> where you're going through this castle where there's a dragon and there's uh, a, uh, yeah oh, and wait a minute, <laughs> yeah we'll talk
0: you know we'll talk about that because and how much maybe that did or did not play. In in the decision not to, to keep that forward. But there's another side to the coin, right? We're, we're on this dark side. And right. We let's, ha- go, we... let's go
2: to the good side. Right, I, because... I, I prefer the good side. That's go right. to the light. Go to the light. <laughs> right.
0: Good always good always wins, except in space balls. Um so, ah. <laughs> so the other side, were you to take the other pathway? This is much more of a less sinister. This is about Unicorns and a boat ride uh, entitled uh, Fantasia Gardens, based on, mm-hmm. based on some of the scenes from Fantasia. So there's, an, there's a Disney connection for those that remember the film, which would take you through some of the scenes in that movie. Uh, so if you think, you know, almost analogous to maybe like something like Winnie the Pooh, you would have seen, you know, Dance of the Hours, you would have seen the hippos and the crocodiles and some of the mythical creatures like the centaurs and the fauns and, and Pegasus and whatnot.
2: Yeah, I, I, actually I, I think it, it, it may even be closer to, it's a small world because again, very family friendly or even jungle cruise. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, you're going, uh, believe it or not, they had pitched Fantasia gardens, uh, for Disneyland years earlier, you know, uh, before this. And so, this would have been just gorgeous because, because you're not just on the water there, but the scenery is you've got the, this classic Greek architecture. So you've got temples, you've got Mount Olympus, Mm. which was also, you know, in the, in the film there. Um, and, uh, there was a brightly colored rainbow archway that you went under. There were beautiful gardens. There were bubbling fountains and, and, and all of this. And, um, uh, Lou is always good cop. I'm always bad cop. But I'm, <laughs> I'm going to uh, say on the press release, one of the things that I grumble about even to this day, and, and this is the exact press release, by the way, for, uh, for that ride. They said a gentle musical boat ride through the animals from Disney's animated classic Fantasia. Both the crocodiles and hippos from Dance of the Hours and the Pegasus, Fauns and Centaurs, from Beethoven's Pastoral, are found here. And you're going to say, that grumpy old man, Jim Corcus, what is he? (laughs) They're saying crocodiles and hippos from Dance of the Hours. And remember, there's an official Disney press release. There are no crocodiles in Fantasia. It's alligators. (laughs) In fact, the lead character is called Allie-E-Gator. You know? Ah, oh, Disney! You need to hire a Disney historian or two to, to to go through and 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 double check these things. But but again, that that was the the point. Is this was going to be a family friendly ride? You know, especially for kids. So there's no sense of threat. You know, it, it's just this beautiful. You're 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 hearing this beautiful music. Uh, you're seeing the alligators and the hippos dancing. You know, the hippos and the tutus and all that. And and then you're seeing the flying pegasus, the fawns, the centaurs. Uh, and I really would have loved to have taken that boat ride and seen the female centaurettes, you know, uh, because I would hope they would base them on the Fred Moore design from the uh, uh, film, because they were just cute as all get out there. And um, so, this, my gosh, you know, this was just beautiful. And it would have and, been, family,
0: and the other thing too, it would have been the classic Disney family-friendly dark ride. So, if maybe mm-hmm. you know, maybe going to maybe your kids would not have necessarily liked going or been able to ride the the Dragon Challenge. This is something that everybody could have done together as a family.
2: Well, well, you see, that was one of the reasons I cheered when um, uh, Pandora was announced, and they said they were going to have that uh, boat ride through the luminescent forest. And I thought, that is so incredible because that's finally, instead of all these thrill rides, this is something an entire family can enjoy together. You know, I I have a couple of friends who work uh, uh, at uh, Universal Creative, which is the Imagineering counterpart at Universal. And I said, you guys made a huge mistake on the Harry Potter ride. They said, what do you mean? You know, People are coming in, they love it and all that. I said, there's medical restrictions, there's height restrictions, there's size restrictions. I said, if it was open to everybody, that line would have been out the block and down to Disney property at that particular point, because everybody could have gone on it and enjoyed it. So that's why I was so excited that Pandora is going to have an attraction that everybody can enjoy. Everybody can, and and now now watch it open, and and people on the internet go, "That's so boring. Right. That's so lame." <laughs> you know, I, I I wanted that creature to jump out and rip oh, off the head of the Jim. guy sitting in front of me there.
0: Everybody on Twitter is so so happy and positive, and a lot of kumbaya
1: out there on the
2: internet. <laughs> but but anyway, Fantasia Gardens would have been uh, beautiful. You, you know, Fantasia Gardens were was also proposed. Uh, For the Magic Kingdom. Uh, They were going to do it in the area where the Swan Boat Rides were. And the guy who turned that down is a guy who I just absolutely love and adore and respect, Sully Sullivan. No kidding! He was in charge of the Magic Kingdom at that time. And Eisner just loved the pitch for this and and all this. And so, yes, you'd be going through those entire waterways just like the Swan Boats did. But it, you'd have these little uh, uh, theme things, uh, topiaries and fountains and figures and all of this from Fantasia, and uh, uh, Sully uh, Sully tells this story a lot better than I could ever. But after Eisner goes, yeah, yeah, this is beautiful, and uh, uh, Sully follows Eisner into the restroom, and they're standing there at the <laughs> urinal, and and Eisner and Eisner is going. Yeah, that's gonna be just so beautiful. And and Sully says, I don't want it here in the park. And Eisner says, Well what are you talking about? He says, Because it's low capacity and when it rains I have to shut the whole thing down. And Eisner leaves the uh uh the restroom and talks to the rest of the group and he goes, No, I don't think we're gonna go with this. No kidding but there would have been a fantasia as i said originally it was proposed proposed by mark davis of all people um out there in um disneyland and that was going to be in the um uh motorboat cruise section hmm. isn't that interesting I, you all know these what? dots connect back and forth
0: i interviewed sully sullivan back on show 39 10 years ago I think I still got his number. I'm tempted to just get him on the phone right now and be like, what were you
2: thinking, man? <laughs> what he was thinking was, hey, I'm in charge of this park and I've got to show to people that, you know, we're making money. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this isn't going to help us make money.
0: So, But, you know, as, as beautiful as I think that attraction was going to be, I think the thing that really was going to be the good side's e-ticket was not something that was super high tech it was not going to be a thrill ride it was going to be something that was beautiful in its simplicity in that it was a gigantic hedge maze called quest Mm. for the unicorn which was going to be not just something that you you wandered through but was going to be very interactive and i think this would have been one of the first things look cuz that's what we're seeing now Jim we're seeing a, a much more of a the, trend towards the interactivity
1: cues
2: and all of that absolutely
0: yes. mm-hmm. this is what was going to allow guests to be as they walked through you had to try and find and awaken all of these different golden idols that were them, scattered right folder. throughout the maze. So there was a there was a puzzle that you had to sort of of uh, finish and follow,
2: decipher, put together. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Again, being able to do together as a family, you know. So there's a there's a, a a familiar like you know there's a bonding element to do with your family or your friends. But there's also a payoff at the end too, because that final piece of the puzzle was going to have that reveal of this amazing unicorn in this cavern with these crystal pools which is also going to make for a great photo opportunity as well.
2: Yes. And and again, the uh, the clues were going to be simple because you can't have people staying there all day. <laughs> you know, I haven't gone to the Dragon's Tower. I've been here eight hours trying to <laughs> you know, awaken this golden idol here. Um, so uh, again, this is just early concept, How how it would have you know, played out. You don't know, but but, but try and think of it like the uh, 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 the Kim Possible adventure, or the Agent P thing, or uh, even even uh, uh, Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom. You know, a, a very early uh, version of that type of thing. And yeah, you you would uh, not only were there the five golden idols, but inside the maze there were also additional magical, mythological creatures. You know, that you would. You would pass by, and yes, you you would try and figure these things out, and then you would go, and once you got all the pieces put together or all the clues put together so that maybe there's that that magic word or the magic code or whatever, it opens up, and yes, you've got this beautiful, beautiful uh, white unicorn with a a solid gold horn, you know, and and, and it's pawing at the ground and it's nodding its head so the horn is, is pointing to you. My gosh! You know, I, I I could just see people, you know, going crazy there. Um, and uh, I don't know. I you see, I I never would have thought of that as, as an attraction, but by golly, Imagineers did.
0: And I think it's something that, that would have worked. Uh, and look, this, you know, to be clear, you know, we were talking about some of the stuff in terms of where it was in terms of concept and on drawing board. This was one of the things, Jim, that was very much already starting to become into production, and and I can't I can't seem to find it while we've been recording, but ages ago somebody sent me a picture of one of the statues of the griffin that was actually built and was delivered to Disney specifically for this um you know for the quest for the unicorn attraction. Mm-hmm. So the the plane was already in flight. I mean, there were plans definitely to make this happen um but you know certainly we'll, we'll get into some of the reasons why it didn't but i, I look... well, well
2: and and again you've got to start production early in order to you know uh be prepared uh so for instance uh uh thunder mesa which i'm i'm sure you've talked about on the the podcast uh before uh they created a uh audio animatronic uh buffalo and and um what was it gophers or uh, whatever that that uh were done and so when that got canceled they moved that over and that's over in uh, a scene in the land mm-hmm. uh in epcot over in future world those those were created for that attraction but it's like no nope, we're canceling that attraction so let's find another uh, uh prairie dogs prairie dogs prairie dogs and a buffalo mm-hmm. not a gopher uh just have too much stuff inside my mind and and you know <laughs> When we talk about, uh, and none of it is is any good. None of it is any good. All of it is useless, you know. I I could go into a McDonald's and and spout some of this stuff off. Nobody's going to give me a free Happy Meal here. You you know, we talked about uh, the land itself. There was actually a preview to the land, the Discovery River Boats. Mm -hmm. Did you ever go on those, Mr. Lou? I
0: I have a vague recollection of going on what was, and I'm sure, well, I know for a fact, it was not the most eventful boat ride at Disney's Animal Kingdom. I Uh, I
2: think that's an understatement because, again, Disney did surveys. It was, when it opened, it was the most hated attraction on Walt Disney World property because there was nothing there right you 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 would wait for 30 minutes or whatever to get on this boat and it was like a a 4 or 5 minute ride to Harambi but there was nothing there but that's not the way it was supposed to be uh th- there were dragon rocks there were uh you you uh, went by a cave and you heard a a growl mm-hmm. and then as the the boat passed suddenly this dragon's head uh came out of the cave and it would have been uh, again saving money it would have been the exact same dragon that's uh, underneath uh uh the castle uh, the sleeping dragon in disneyland pa- paris but actually not the whole dragon it's only the top third of the dragon because you only need to see the head and and part of the neck and it pops out and it blows out this propane ball of fire at you and then your captain on the boat is really worried and it's like but we escaped the dragon what are you worried about and it's because he he's afraid that all of this noise and activity has awoken the kraken. <laughs> Unleash the kraken. And um, uh, you're going, wait a minute, wait a minute, the kraken. And then around the boat, there'd be all this bubbling going on as if there's something stirring underneath. And then in the distance, you see this fin coming towards you. And it's not like a, a, a simple nice jaws fin. This is a... Uh, and and so the captain on the ship has to to pull out a lyre uh, to pluck a tune to to put the kraken back to sleep. You know, it's not like the Jungle Cruise where you pull out the gun and fire at the hippo. You know, now now we're in 1998. We're politically correct. You can't fire the gun at the kraken. You you play the lyre to put him to sleep, and then you also go around a bend, and we were talking about that beautiful unicorn. You see briefly. Mm-hmm. In, in this grove of trees, again, the beautiful white unicorn, It, it it's moving slightly, you know, because horses don't move a lot. So you, and especially if you've seen the horse in uh, American Adventure at uh, <laughs> um, uh, Epcot, they don't move a lot, but they move enough. So you go, I wonder if that's real. And so you'd see that, and then you would go, and so, oh my gosh, this is so wonderful. And then, of course, when the budget got cut, there's nothing there. And and Rody went and he just begged Eisner, we've we've got to have something out there. Something out there. And so the best um uh they could come up with was you hear a, a, a growl in the in the cave and then uh, a blast of fire. You know, comes out of it. That's it. Yeah, you know? weren't there and- for weren't there
0: um Weren't there suits of armor there for a little while on yeah, the yes. on the riverbank?
2: Yeah, for a while, and then they got guest complaints that it was morbid.
0: Right. Well, it's just like, um... but,
2: but but again, it was those same suits of armor that would have been uh, that had been made, I guess, for that forest that would have led into um, uh, the dragon's tower, right? And well, just like when people used so, to complain, about so, of course about the... everybody inside had had already run away, so that's why the suits were. <laughs> right. but, but, but again, but again, you could see that there were sections that were melted, the things broken, all of that, and um, so that was to indicate yes, there's a dragon in here and he's very dangerous. But again, they remove that because uh, yes, we're complaining that that's that's very morbid. That scares my child. Well, I was say, it's but it's now like there's nothing to see.
0: Frontierland with the with the burning cabin. There used to be, you know dead settlers out there way back when and
2: yes you know. yes who had <laughs> been uh, um and and obviously uh what we learned from the mark twain experience was the bad indians were on the right hand side because they were burning the settler's cabin and putting an arrow through him and attacking you know uh the fort there but the good indians were on the left hand side because <laughs> the one on the horse was waving at us and there's this nice little village where they're not doing anything except you know uh cooking and you know carving the canoe and all of that but um you know things times change things change and 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 perceptions uh, uh change and 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 jokes that i made 5 years ago i would never even <laughs> consider making today for crying out loud and and listeners are going Oh, Jim makes jokes? When is he going to do that on the podcast? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, but, you know, so there were all those uh, uh, other elements there that, that were tying into that. And then, of course, once you – it's a domino effect. Once you cut one thing, then all these other things start getting cut, and they just don't make sense anymore, you know? Um it's very, so, very sad. So, uh, I, it, and and you know they tried to rescue the uh, beastly kingdom uh, uh, concept. Interestingly enough, because um, you know people were leaving Disney Animal Kingdom early. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing to see, and there's no fireworks show because you know it's going to uh, uh, scare the animals, and and they need to go to sleep and and, and all of that, and uh, so. The execs got around and said, what can we do to, you know, uh, 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 you know, extend the evening hours, keep people there? You know, and one of the concepts they had was the Rivers of Light Parade. Mm-hmm. That, just like the Electrical Light Parade, was going to go through the park, but again, the uh, pathways are too narrow. You'd have to cut back a lot of the landscaping uh, for that and also to... Uh, uh, Make room for people to stand. And, and if anybody ever saw the March of the Artemals, it was hard enough for that parade to get through in daylight, let alone right. at night. But the other thing they considered doing was we're going to put Beastly Kingdom back on the uh, thing, but we're not going to do this quest of the unicorn, Namsie pamsy stuff. We're going to put in Disney characters. So there would be dragons, but the dragons would be Elliot and uh, Maleficent's dragon, you know that type of thing. We're going to pull uh, mythological uh, creatures and all of this uh, from uh, you know licensed Disney properties here, so um, we can include that in there. So, so for about five minutes, you know uh, that w- that was considered that uh, and. Uh, Beastly Kingdom was, was back on the books there for about uh, uh, five minutes for, for that to happen. But but what really uh, stuck a nail in the coffin for Beastly Kingdom is when Universal's uh, Islands of Adventure opened. And Joe Rohde and the Imagineers hoped that that would be an overwhelming success. And why would you want a competitor to be a success? because if it was such a huge success disney has to do something to counter that you know so they'd put beastly kingdom back because all this work's already been done just tell us go we're ready to go you know but um uh, islands of adventure uh underperformed and and one of the reasons is uh, uh universal universal really didn't market it as a second theme park. Mm-hmm. They do now, but in those days, they didn't market it as a second theme park, and so people just thought it was an extension of Universal Studios. You know? So why should I come down there and, and see that? But, you know, it it really worried people. It, it worried uh, Michael Eisner, and so you know what Michael Eisner did, right?
0: Well, I mean, I just I, I want to go back a second because I think... Part of the problem too, Jim, is when – look, when former Disney Imagineers go to the place that the sun does not shine and they create a land based on dueling dragons and based on some of these concepts that Disney had, um, you know, had, had sketched out years earlier, by Disney following up with the opening of A Beastly Kingdom, while we might know what that it was in the works for years – it it I think to the average person might look at well, look at Disney now trying to copy what Universal had done successfully or unsuccessfully first
2: yes no i you are absolutely right when when Universal Island of Adventures opened, Eisner went there incognito i I don't know if he actually wore a physical disguise or or not, but he went with a a a couple of Disney staff and he went in there because he was very worried. You know, is this going to be successful? Is this appealing to an older audience than what we're appealing to? Mm. And uh, he goes in there, and yeah, there, there's a, a, a coaster called Dueling Dragons, which has now been transformed to, to to what Dragon Challenge for
3: right.
2: for Harry Potter there, and and he, he's it, it's these dragons in, in in this decrepit uh, castle. And and he looked over and he goes, "Does that look familiar to you?" <laughs> and, hey, and wait uh, a for minute, for unicorns <laughs> there, there, there was a flying unicorn right. coaster, and and uh, uh, for a restaurant for for a themed there was, uh, oh gosh, what was it? Um, um, Enchanted Oak Tavern, you know. And so, if anything put a nail in the coffin, that was it because it's exactly as you say. Even though Disney had um, uh, developed all of this first and Disney probably would have done it even better to the general public, that makes no difference. Right.
0: And then, look, you can't say, well, look, well, let's just get rid of Dragon's Tower and let's get rid of this. Now, all of a sudden, the e-ticket attraction, the weenie, the thing that was going to really draw people to this part of the land at Animal Kingdom is now gone. You know, you lose sort of the, the... the the critical element in order to be able to justify building Beastly Kingdom.
2: Well, and 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 as we were talking about too, no no idea at at Imagineering ever goes to waste. They put it on the shelf, and sometimes they bring it out or they readapt it or whatever. Uh, I see elements from the Beastly Kingdom in those proposals for um, uh, the Dark Kingdom, mm-hmm. where the, where the weenie was going to be Maleficent's castle. Uh, or uh Fire Mountain,
1: Fire mountain right. where you
2: were going to be on on that suspended roller coaster and your feet would be over lava and 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 all of that as you're, you're uh dashing around it, and Dark Kingdom and um what was it they, they were going to have Bald Mountain there where where the villains were chasing you through and uh, on the outside of the mountain as well there um so i i'm i'm wondering if some of those Beastly Kingdom uh uh proposals you know they they kept you know trying to pump uh new life into them and say well you know you're thinking of this new area here's a really super new thing you know
0: right you redress the the concept to to fit Mm -hmm. in and look not that i ever think a a villain's fifth gate is ever going to really come to pass but you you're right you don't know look it's a it's a Beautiful Listen, concept.
2: You, you, you never know. I, right. I, I, I would if somebody had to say, "Well, you know, they're going to have a section at Animal Kingdom, you know, devoted to Jim Cameron's movie." I go, "Yeah, right." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's
0: there's a huge difference between building a land where the infrastructure is sort of already there versus breaking ground to create an entirely new fifth yes. gate. I mean, it, it's it's a monumental undertaking, and certainly one that. Um, you know, it does not happen easily or lightly. I think there's a lot more expansion that's going to happen in the existing parks before, if and when a fifth gate ever comes to be. But I think you're right. I think this concept and some of these concepts, because they were so good, because they were so attractive, are ones that w- we may see resurrected elsewhere.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I, I, obviously, going through modification and adaptation, and and as we keep saying. These are just uh, concepts, you know. Thing things de- develop from there. At, at Disneyland, the first concept for Mister Toad's Wild Ride was it was going to be uh, uh, a roller coaster, you know. So very much like Gadgets Go Coaster or or, or uh, Goofy's Barnstormer or whatever, you know. It would be a slight roller coaster, but it would still have been a roller coaster. Uh, and the uh, the plans for the uh, a storybook land, uh, ride out there in, uh, uh, Disneyland, uh, you were going to be swallowed by monster of the whale and then go down this water flume inside and, and burst out, you know, uh, through his tail to, to get into that. So, uh, and you know, as, as exciting as all of these, uh, are, you know, uh, after a while you start to go, okay, uh we've we've got to take into account you know load capacity we've got to take into account you know maintenance uh on these things and, and all of this um and sometimes there's even just a uh better idea a dragon why don't we have a two headed dragon <laughs> and one of them spurts out fire and the other spurts out cold you know um and we'll call them Anna and Elsa. You know? This will work. Oh, wait a minute. No, that well, we'll bring out Anna and Elsa later on something else. <laughs> oh, but but again, I would I would have liked to have seen a, a Beastly Kingdom in in 1998 and um uh no, I don't think there is a hope for the Beastly Kingdom to uh uh as it is uh, be revived. You know, but, but again, you, you never know, you, you never say never anything, anything could happen. But, uh, uh, I think if beastly kingdom had opened, I think people would have had a, uh, different first impression of, of animal kingdom. Right. You know, so I, I, I think, I think if they had had the, uh, the roller coaster the excavator in, in Land USA, which was meant to be there, uh, they would have had a, a, a different, uh, impression as well right on but, opening day
0: right if, if it could have been there on opening day
2: mm-hmm. uh, and and again you know you mentioned expedition everest and the yeti and and when i talked with uh, uh joe Rody and, and i said well you must be happy now because now you really do have you know uh an element of the beastly kingdom you know you have the yeti and he looked at me like I had two heads <laughs> and, and and he said, no, no, no. He, he, he said, uh, the Yeti is that, um, uh, it is on that border between real and mythological. Mm-hmm. He he said, uh, you know, we're just not sure. He says, so it, it's not completely imaginary. It's not completely fanciful because so many people ha- have these sightings of this and, uh, these sightings have taken place you know over hundreds of years, so there really may be that type of creature. The fact that we've made him this protector spirit that has that element of of uh, mythology in it so but he I, says, nope. he's, see... he's he's still he's still grumpy about it obviously.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Note to self don't uh, don't bring up beastly kingdom to Joe Roddy if you ever meet him at <laughs> if you ever see him at Tiffin somewhere. Um, so so maybe a somewhat unfair question for a variety of reasons. One of which is that we are so close to one of them actually opening. Do you think you Jim Corcus, and you the listener? Do you think you would have preferred Beastly Kingdom over Pandora? Understanding that now you've actually seen beyond concept art of Pandora, you've seen video, you sort of know more about what is coming there?
2: Well, my personal opinion is um, I love dragons. I love unicorns. I love all of that stuff. I would have loved to have seen uh, things devoted to that, especially with a, a Disney twist. From what I have seen of uh, Pandora, because initially my reaction was very, very negative. But from what I've seen now, I am very intrigued uh, to go because uh, I never felt the movie was a movie. The movie, to me, was an event. And I didn't come out of that movie remembering the names of any of the characters or wanting to go get a plush banshee or anything like that. It seems to me that Imagineering has created a land that is not necessarily dependent upon the movie. I don't think you have to have seen the movie or any of the sequels, which again are delayed, I guess. You don't have to have seen the movie or any of the sequels to go in and enjoy uh, the beauty and, and the strangeness. Uh, of this uh, of this land and and everything that I've seen and and all of the uh, and you've probably seen more than I have or, or even seen more supporting uh, uh, material everything there shows me that this could be a success not because of the movies but in spite of the movies right. because it, it it's creating as as you keep saying that immersive, uh, experience. And, and as I said, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, um, uh, the boat ride, especially, uh, not as excited, as excited about riding a Banshee because, uh, you know, as, as I get uh, older, this, this shaking up and down and, and all of that, you know, uh, I don't care uh, for it. Look,
0: I've said, you know, a- Ad nauseam, and forgive me if I re- repeating myself on the show. That I wish I had the time and the talent to be able to go in and take Avatar the film and edit it down, not from the fighting scenes and some of the story, but if I could edit it down to showcase the the beauty of that world, that the bioluminescent mm-hmm. lights, how the messaging fits in with Animal Kingdom. I think that might change people's opinion look I, and i and i and i believe jim that when- I, I i
2: i think i think you're probably right because i i think a lot of people took a look at the film and said well this is just the pocahontas story right or they didn't you know, like the and, violence in it right. uh, you know and and i think joe Rody takes uh in in the pre-publicity here take takes that larger view that no this is actually a story about you know being in tune with with nature being in tune with the animals you know all of this and that, and so that's very much, uh, you know, with the philosophy of uh, of Animal right.
0: Kingdom. Right. Look, the, the conservation and you know living with the land to use an Epcotism is the messaging of Disney's Animal Kingdom at at the very beginning. And look, I think this is going to. And look, remember when Cars Land was first announced? The mm-hmm. same kind of thing happened. People lost their collective marbles because maybe they didn't like. The film, but then when you take yourself out of it and you step into that land in Disneyland, and all of a sudden you're in Radiator Springs, you're like, "Holy smokes!" Like I am in this film, and
2: it it it, it just all works. Yes, right. I've been in I've been in Cars Land, and and yeah, it I, and and Cars is is not my favorite um, uh, Pixar film. By, by but you don't off. have to
0: like like Pandora. No, you don't, but you have don't to have, love have to film. like the right.
2: movie to really appreciate that that whole experience.
0: And I think that's what's going to happen. Very much so uh, when when Pandora opens. I, I am I for one was excited when I heard about it uh, initially. I'm even more so now as we are recording and leading up to just a few weeks away. Until it opens, uh, I think it is going to put Animal Kingdom.
2: So Can- are, are you on, are on that list to get that special media preview? Uh,
0: I am going during the, the special event. The, I, I'm grateful to have been invited to it. But I'm excited, Jim, because look, whether it's Pandora or Cars Land, or, I, I feel as though the company, and more importantly, Imagineering has earned our trust. Like, they know what they're doing. I believe in the vision. And I and when I say the vision, I don't just mean the technology, but the storytelling. And I, I'm imagining what this land is going to look like and sound like and feel like, especially at night. And when you walk through that portal and you're transported off-world, I, I'm excited for that type of experience. And I think what we see here is going to be just the tip of the iceberg in terms of immersive storytelling and technology that we're going to get when star Warsville star Wars, land, whatever they're going to call it is yes. going to open a number right. of years from now.
2: Well, and, 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 you know, with the, uh, I'm surprised that avatar is, uh, avatar land is opening, uh, you know, as early as may, I think that's a great idea, you know, to catch the summer crowds and all that. I didn't think it was going to be ready in time for that. But it really is just the um, opening shot for, uh, you know, in, in another year or so, we get Toy Story Land, and then another year or, or so, we get uh, Star Wars Land. You know, th- this is pretty impressive. And I think you know? what's going to happen... And, and I, w- I would agree with you that when Disney does something right, they really do it right.
0: And I will put my money where my mouth is, little Jimmy Corcus. so one day... You and I are going to go to Pandora together, and you said that when you left the film Avatar and you wiped all the popcorn off your fingers, you didn't feel compelled to go out and get a little Navi action figure or a Banshee for your, for your shelf. I
2: couldn't even remember the names of the characters. I can't either.
0: But if you go to Pandora (laughs) and you're like, OMG, I need to get a little banshee. I will take you to the the souvenir store and I will buy one for you.
2: I I wonder how many people, especially little kids, will look at that uh, uh, female Navi uh, shaman and go, oh, she's Pandora. (laughs) I want to go see Pandora, Miss Pandora again. I, wondered, I, I thought wondered... Pandora
0: was a jewelry company. Wait a minute. <laughs> so...
2: <Yeah. laughs> oh, my gosh. Talk about synergy. Right? They're, they're, right? They should be selling Pandora jewelry. If Pandora,
0: the jewelry company, does not get in on this, they are, they are missing a huge opportunity. <laughs> but, look, we, time is going to tell, Jim Korkis. Uh We are literally, as the time of recording this, we are weeks away from Pandora opening. I will tell you that there is a little... Slash, big part of you know, little Lumangello that wishes Beastly Kingdom would have been built. I would have Mm -hmm. loved to have seen this dragon tower and that type of experience. Believe it or not, man, that maze sounded so intriguing to me. I I loved the simplicity, I loved the interactivity of it. I, I, I thought about walking through this hedge maze, and knowing that there was a payoff for my efforts at the very end. So there's a little part of me that's sad that we'll never see it in that uh, incarnation, but who knows mm-hmm. what the future might bring. What I do know that the future is going to bring, nice segue, Lou Mangiello, is more segments with Jim Corcus. more importantly. Oh, I, I
2: can only hope, because I have so much fun with this, and, and I hope the listeners uh, enjoy uh, hearing all of this uh, stuff and, and I hope they take this and then uh, share it with their friends and family
0: and listen if you can't get enough Jimmy Corcus, and really who can I want to give you something and it's not Jimmy Corkus's home address but if you call me I might what I want to do is I'm going to link in the show notes to all of little Jimmy Corcus's books Jim what are you up to 14 now 14 15 actually books? there's
2: almost 20 holy moly and, and in fact, the latest book, uh, by the time people are listening to this podcast, uh, if they go uh, uh, middle of April before uh, uh, the tax deadline of April 15th, if they go to Amazon.com, they'll find my latest book, which is uh, Secret Stories of Disneyland. So uh, there are five to ten stories for each of the eight lands at uh Uh, Disneyland, as well as uh, some stories for Beyond the Berm. And um, so I've written two books about the secret stories of Walt Disney World. Uh, They have done uh, very well. And so my publisher asked if I could write about Disneyland, which is more difficult than most people imagine because there's already so many books out there about Disneyland, uh, hidden secrets and trivia and, and all this and websites and DVDs. So I had to really struggle um, to uh, uh, find some secrets and stories uh, to share. But fortunately, uh, I've interviewed many Imagineers over the years and all that, so I was able to grab uh, uh, some stories. Here, I'll share one of the stories that's in the book. When Disneyland opened, uh, one of the biggest uh, complaints they had was that the clock – on the train station was incorrect, and remember this is 1955, so people are using their watches and trying to set it by you know a, a large uh, prominent uh, clock so that it could stay on time and and do this. So every day they would send out this poor little maintenance guy, and he would put up the ladder and he would go up there and try and you know change the clock, and they would get complaints that the clock is wrong, and so Disney had people come down. They talked to this guy, and he, he said, "What I do." He says, I come down. He says, I phone the main office there in, in town hall, and uh, I set my watch to that. Then I climb up the ladder, and, and I set the clock. And he, he says, and they're tracking him. This went on for a couple of days. They tracked him. Finally, they put somebody in the office in um uh, uh town hall. And so when he called, uh, the secretary picked up the phone and she looked out the window at the clock on the train station and told him the time. <laughs> so that's one of the stories you probably won't hear anywhere else. <laughs> 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 and and uh, believe it or not, the clock was uh, the last thing that was completed. The clock face was the last thing that was completed uh, on uh, Main Street because they had put a camera in there, uh, to shoot main Street with that uh, you know that the uh, sped up stop motion type thing to to show the construction of main street, so i'm sure you've all seen uh, the images of that and so uh, the book in, includes that it includes the moving snore sound in in Disneyland that moves all over the place it 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 includes a chapter of uh, two former Nazis who made significant contributions to Disneyland. Ones that you look at and go, oh, those are so beautiful. Oh, I love that. And um, the story behind Adriana Casalotti doing the voice in the Snow White's Wishing Well. So for those of you who are new to Disneyland, I I think this will be entertaining. For those of you who uh, are, like Lou and I, uh, jaded and all of that, I I think this will give you... uh, uh, uh uh some new insights or a different perspective on on some familiar facts so secret stories of disneyland amazon.com and my newest book that's out there is gremlin trouble which is the uh a story of the roland doll film that was never made in during world war 2 uh walt was going to do an animated feature about gremlins the little creatures that You know, bedeviled uh, uh, pilots and uh, airplanes and all of that. And it was going to be based on a story written by Flight Lieutenant Roland Dahl, his very first book. He later went on to do Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox and all that. And so this is the whole story behind, uh, just as we talked about Beastly Kingdom today, this sounds like such a great idea. How come it never got made? Um... You'll have to read the so book to you, find out. thank you for having me, and thank you for letting me plug my books.
0: Absolutely, brother. I will put a link up where people can find all of your books on Amazon.com, and certainly would love to have you back again. There are many more stories uh, to share in the future, and I so very much uh, appreciate you, my friend.
2: And, and I appreciate you, too. You're, you're a good friend. You have helped uh, uh, so many people, and you have definitely helped me. And more than anything else, I think that is going to be the Lou uh, uh legacy. So uh, we need to get together to, to eat. We both love <laughs> to eat. We need to get to, uh, together to eat. So so let's make plans to do that. we Will do, buddy.
0: Time for our Walt Disney World trivia question of the week where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or I want to see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes in what you see, sometimes in what you hear, maybe even in what you smell, possibly in what you taste. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. But before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's and select our winner. So last week, I wanted to see how well you pay attention to something that you probably have heard more than once in an attraction in Walt Disney World. And I asked you to tell me, where in Walt Disney World have you heard? Is it ever going to warm up? Let's find out with a look at the weather. Will it? You know those giant glaciers
2: we've all gotten so used to? Well, they're going to be receding to the North and South Poles. Conditions are looking very favorable for a whole new kind of mammal. KNRG news time, 750,000 BC. And that's our KNRG up-to-the-minute news report. Now back to our regularly scheduled
0: program. I'm sure hearing the actual audio clip, rather than my really bad impression, made you remember that it was, of course, from the Universe of Energy slash Ellen's Energy Adventure slash Ellen's Energy Crisis slash... Coming soon to an Epcot Center near you. Anyway, I took all of the correct entries, randomly selected one, and because I was just in the holiday spirit or really hungry, your prize package includes my 102 ways to save money for an at Walter's World book, all seven of my audio tours of the Magic Kingdom, a WW Radio 2.0 Magic Band cover, some stickers, a travel mug, and a mystery prize. And that mystery prize is going to be something from my personal vintage collection. I'll pull it from one of my eBay lots and give it to you instead. It's still a mystery to me as to which one I'm going to give you or more than one I'm going to give you. But I am going to give you something from my vintage Disney collection. Add that to your prize package. And last week's winner, by the way, randomly selected is Sharon Peck. So, Sharon, congratulations. I do have your mailing address because you did use the online form. I'm going to get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, this week's question is going to be about food. Shocker, because I'm Blue Mangello and I'm always hungry. But this one also involves a little bit of Disney history as well because I want you to tell me the names, plural, ...of the restaurants on Disney's Boardwalk located next to Flying Fish. So it's currently occupied... Hey look, I'll even give you one of them. It's currently occupied by the Trattoria Al Forno. What I want to know are all the names of the restaurants that have occupied that space since that since Disney's Boardwalk opened. So I've given you one, Trattoria Al Forno. Give me the names of the other restaurants that have occupied that space beforehand... And you have until Sunday, April 23rd at 11.59 p.m. And again, you're playing for the 102 Ways book, The Audio Tours, which are available in the shop, by the way, at www.radio.com, a Magic Band cover, stickers, and just because I like them, and I think you will too, I'm going to throw in another one of the WW Radio Hot and Cold Travel Mugs. So good luck, and have fun, and stay hungry. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you again so very much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. I understand and appreciate how valuable your time is, and I am sincerely grateful that you choose to spend and share some of it with me. Just a couple of quick reminders. Don't forget that I have a new free book for you. It's 102 Things to Do in Walt Disney World at least once. You can get it, again, for free just by visiting the homepage of www.radio.com. I also have a new video for you, a new snack of the week at Walt Disney World. I told you I was hungry. You can find that on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash radio or our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash radio. If you have a suggestion for a snack of the week, you can use a contact form right on the site or email me, lou at radio.com. Speaking of liking the Facebook page, I appreciate it if you could go over. Make sure you like the page because this way you can also not only join us every Wednesday night for our live video broadcasts and chat, either from the home studio or from the parks. It's a great way to talk about Disney. You can also call into the show. Oftentimes I'm live from the parks, but I'm also working on some new things specifically for the Facebook page. I'd love for you to be part of the conversations there. I want you not just to consume the content, but really share it and be part of it as well. Also on the Facebook page, we have the WW Radio 10th Anniversary Logo Contest. As we celebrate 10 years of the WW Radio Show, I want you to cast your vote for the new WW Radio 10th Anniversary Logo Contest. And then once we have a winner, you'll see exactly what I plan on doing with it. There, you have uh, until the end of this week to cast your vote again on our Facebook page. And if you want to connect and talk, and if you want to connect with and talk with me, other places online, I am at Lou Mangiello on Twitter, Facebook pinterest and instagram but you know of course that i always say because i believe it and it's true that nothing beats a handshake and a hug that's why in addition to connecting with you online i want to be able to meet and chat with you in person that's why i do monthly meetups every month in walt disney world as other events on our road uh, our next meetup in, in walt disney world is going to be this coming weekend during the star wars dark side half marathon challenge that's going to be Saturday over at The American Adventure. You can visit our Facebook page for details and to RSVP. It's fun. It's free. It's completely family-friendly. And it's open to anyone and everyone, whether you want to just come by and say hi or spend some time with us, grab something to eat as well. Uh, I am working on the May meets of the Month, plural, because I am going to be in Disneyland the first weekend, uh, the first sorry, the first week of May, speaking at an event out there. And I plan on... Probably doing a meet of the month on Wednesday night. Maybe we'll combine it with the live show uh, Wednesday, May 10th. I'll have details and locations and time coming soon. And the the Walt Disney World uh, meet of the month, I'm actually still working on dates as well. Uh, Also, there's other events coming up, including our cruise to Alaska next year. Again, you can find every information about all this on the events page over on Facebook. Also, I do other uh, events and meetups, not just in Walt Disney World, but on the road as I travel to speak at conferences and events. Uh, go to visit lumonjello.com. You can find out uh, maybe how I can come help speak to your conference, your business, or your school, or work with you One-on-one to turn your passion into your profession. Oh, speaking of which, my Momentum event in Walt Disney World, October 14th, now through the 17th, uh, is now 50% sold out, and there are only three tickets left for the second add-on Mastermind Day. Whether you are a solopreneur, have an idea, or just want to turn what you love into what you do, this small workshop event, which is limited to just 50 people, is going to help you make real changes in your life and your business with a very intimate interactive workshop focused on creating real results for you i'm gonna have more details coming soon and more speaker announcements you know duncan wardle the former vice president of innovation and creativity for the entire walt disney company who was on the show a couple weeks ago is our first announced speaker for more information you can visit lou uh speaking of thanks i also want to thank some of the recent members of the ww radio nation including paul park paul clark Ben Barlow, Nancy Turinja, Dave McIntosh, Zach Hoover, Mike Milne, and Eric Siegel. I appreciate you and all of you who are part of the nation. If you want to find out not only how to help support the show, but get exclusive monthly rewards every month, including scavenger hunt. You have access to our private Facebook group. We do live video group calls once a month. There's also logo gear, backpacks, care packages from Walt Disney World, special events and more. You can visit wwradio.com slash support. Uh, speaking of support, I want to thank the continuing support of Becky over at mousefantravel.com. They have been my official, official and re- recommended travel provider for all your vacation needs pretty much since I began WW Radio. You can get a free no-obligation quote by visiting mousefantravel.com. And thanks, as always, to little Timmy Foster from celebrationspress.com. You can go and find the print and digital versions of of Celebrations Magazine. And finally, most importantly, I want to thank you and ask that if you like the show, please do me one small favor. Take just a couple of seconds and help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening to this or your favorite episode. Share it on your Facebook profile, group, or page. And please take 30 seconds just to rate and review the show over at iTunes. Because of you, the show reached number two overall among all podcasts. We have more than 1,200 five-star reviews, including one from Josh from Cape May, New Jersey, who says the show is awesome. Evan says the best Disney podcast out there. Been a fan for years. Going to continue to be a fan. Uh, Crim Than says it's the most amazing podcast. I'm blown away how fantastic the podcast is. Beyond wonderful words cannot express the joy that Lou brings to a person's life. Wow, thank you so much. I love Canada and your poutine. Rock Dog520 says it's the most helpful podcast. My family and I went on a trip to Walt Disney World. Thankfully I found WW Radio. Lou and the podcast friends are full of insight and expertise. Thanks to Lou. I feel like an expert already about the ways to have fun and to organize our schedule. Thank you for all of your help. Thank you for taking the time to listen and be part of the family. To rate and review the show, visit iTunes or just go to www.radio.com slash iTunes. There you'll find a link and instructions on exactly how to do it. And finally, and most importantly, I want to thank you. You give me The greatest gift of all, which is your time and the ability to share my love and my passion for Disney with you through the show and through so many other different ways. And if there's anything that I can help you in order to turn what you love into what you do, uh, please, by all means, let me know. But remember, you know, things like this take sacrifice and they take risk. And you have to ask yourself, how much, you know, are you willing to risk? A very obscure quote from Tron Legacy is, you know, some things are worth the risk. And if it's something that you love and it's something that you believe in, it is absolutely something that you can and should take a chance on because you never know what might happen as a result of it. And as a wise man once said, always keep moving forward. I hope that you have your best week ever. So until next time...
1: See you.:
2: Hey, Lou, it's Brian, Teddy, and Danielle from Long Island, New York. Just calling to say congrats on 10 years. We've been listening to you. Uh, for maybe six of those ten, but certainly uh, once we found you, been listening from uh, the back podcast, still not 100% caught up, but uh, just thanks for everything that you do. You really enhance our trip every time we go, and uh, keep Disney in our everyday lives. So can't thank you enough, and uh, you're the best man, and we'll. Uh, Keep listening and tell all our friends. Take care. Bye.
1: Good afternoon, Lou Mangiello. It's Gabby from Columbia, Maryland. i um, just calling to say that tomorrow I'm actually running the Cherry Blossom 10-Miler. Um, and typically, when I'm listening to your podcast, it's usually while I'm driving to and from work or when I'm running. And I noticed today, as I was kind of prepping my playlist for tomorrow, is that I have listened through all of my current podcasts. So I decided to go back to the beginning of WDW Radio, and I just listened to episode one. (laughs) So I'm very excited to see and kind of like experience by listening how Walt Disney World has gone through so many changes since the show started and just kind of see how the show developed. So, I'm eager to start listening some more, and I'm excited to say that in just about, I think, 18 days exactly, we'll be flying down to run the Dark Side 10K and Half Marathon in Walt Disney World, and hopefully I'll be able to see you and some other of the WDW radio running team that weekend. So, everyone have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you later, Lou. Bye! Hi
3: Lou. My name's Stephanie Cooper. I am a brand new listener to WDW Radio and I've been catching up on some older episodes and the two that I've listened to the most recently are the funniest attractions and then I listened to the Pirates of the Caribbean because that's one of my favorite rides. So I'm gonna leave you my funny story, even though I know that it's a little bit too late. Thought you might enjoy it. Um I had ridden Pirates of the Caribbean, gosh, we probably rode it four or five times on my first visit. On my second visit, we rode it several times because I was pregnant and couldn't ride anything else. Um, And on my third visit, I had my two-year-old son with me and my father-in-law. And I had been trying to tell my very cautious two-year-old, it's not scary, it's not a scary ride. We'll close your eyes if we need to. It's not a scary ride, it's not a scary ride. I don't know how often this happens, but just as we were coming into the battle scene, um, I don't know if there is somebody behind there controlling, if it's random, um, but just as we were coming by the cannons, I got shot in the face with the air cannon and screamed loudly, scaring my two-year-old. He would not go on it again for the rest of the trip, um, but I've been on it probably at this point because I'm still young and poor um, probably over a dozen times now it's the only time it's ever happened to me and I haven't heard of it happening to anybody else but um, that was one of the funniest moments for us um, I don't think we stopped laughing until we were getting off the ride and then we were sad that we had missed the ride from laughing the whole time so anyway that's my um, funniest attraction moment thank you love the show um, congratulations on the 10 years bye Hi, Lou. This is Sam from Westminster, Colorado. I've been a listener of the podcast for about a year and a half now, and I love it. I haven't been able to get to Disney World in a little while, but I'm very excited to be going back for Wine and Dine Race Weekend in November with my family. And I just finished your cast member episode. You asked everybody to tell you what cast member role they would love to be. And as great as it would be to be a friend of any of the characters, especially Mickey Mouse, I would my dream role would be to either run the Expedition Everest or be a driver for Kilimanjaro Safari. It just sounds so fun and I love Animal Kingdom so much. Have a good day. Thanks.
2: you got a friend
1: Yeah End of line.